Hi, everybody, and thanks so much for joining us on today's online service of Sugar Hill Church. As you can tell, Pastor Bobby and I have uh, teamed up together here on the beach in Pauley's Island, South Carolina, where we are at our high school beach camp. And uh, it's been a blast already. But today we wanted to bring you week number two of a series entitled Joy Full. I mean, how do we live a joy-filled life in a world that is just so completely whacked out? Yeah, it seems like in our culture, there's a lot of people that want to look happy, yeah. but they hate everything they're involved in. And so I they smile, the but on the inside, they just have no joy. Yeah, but I, I will say, I, I think I see this a lot today where people put the right mask on. Mm. And when we put a mask on, we literally are pressing down what could be a joy-filled life. And so today, Pastor Bobby and I want to share a passage with you out of this little book, Philippians, where Paul writes to the church in Philippi. And he really is posing three questions and three questions that all of us at some point in our life have to answer. But if we want to live a joy-filled life, we must answer these questions. I love it too, because as Pastor Andy mentioned when he kicked off the series last week, this letter is written literally while Paul's in jail. And so he's writing this joyful letter in a place that most of us would say isn't ideal. And that's one of the reasons why we think this is such a powerful series is because even in the midst of crazy circumstances, we can still have joy because our joy is based on Jesus, not based on the circumstances that we're in. Yeah, and Paul makes this point while he's writing from jail that your circumstances around you really do not determine whether you're joyful or not. That's right. Because there's something within us that has to well up to create that. I mean, if I were in jail, I'd be writing and whining about, you know, my life. But Paul is giving us instruction by making sure that we pose these three questions in our everyday life. So why don't you get us kicked off with, with question number one? Question number one is that all of us need to answer is what does God want? What does God want? Here's what Philippians 2 verse 5 says. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And that's the phrase we want to key on, obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death. Essentially, Jesus' life answered this one question. God, what do you want me to do? I hear this all the time. Pastor Chuck, what should I do? What does God really want from me? What is what is my life to be about? Yeah. And Paul does address it. And it comes down to the simplicity of obedience. Yeah. Right? I say it comes down to the simplicity. It's an easy answer, but it's a challenging way to live. Absolutely. But when you look at the life of Jesus, even as a 12-year-old, where Jesus' family had traveled together for the census, they left. Yeah. They realized two or three days later that they forgot Jesus. They rushed back and they're like, where is he? And I imagine in that moment, Mary's having a meltdown. Where have you been? What have oh, you been yeah, doing? Absolutely. And, Jesus' response was basically, did you not know I had to be about my father's business? You know, one of the things about Jesus, I can imagine as he was teaching there at the synagogue, I can imagine that he shared those passages out of Deuteronomy Mm. over and over again. But one of the things we know he said a great deal to the religious leaders of the time was this one thought, did you not know? You know, and part of that is the teaching that allows us to stop and think, did you not know, as in, did you not read your Bible? Yeah. Did you not know that this is what God's desire is for your life? Sometimes in our life, I think it would be beneficial for us to be able to recognize, for me to know about what it is that God wants me to do, I have to get to know God. That's right. 
That's absolutely right. The idea of being obedient, even when Jesus started his public ministry over and over again, he would say to the disciples, there's coming a day I'm going to the cross because it's yeah. the, the will of the one that sent me. And right. so uh, when Pastor Andy taught Philippians 1, he talked about three th parts of the prayer. He said that you would know Jesus, yeah. right. that you would grow in Jesus, right. and that we'd end up showing Jesus. And when I right. think about what does God want, I think those are great ones to start with. Absolutely. I, I like the fact that what does God want attitudinally in our life. This seems to be one of the great challenges today to try to wrap our head around, how am I to be today? Yeah. You know, we hear this a lot, be fully present, mm -hmm. but this, this letter that Paul writes tells us, okay, the way we're to be is more like Christ. Mm -hmm. We are to be and function more like Jesus. Yeah. And the big picture here is his humility. Mm -hmm. And so when I read, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to hang on to. In other words, yep. he, didn't, he, he didn't hang on to, wait a minute, I'm the king and the savior of the world, treat me as such. He came to serve other people. But I look at this and say, he took on willingly yep. the ability to say, but I have come to be a servant first and foremost. Yep. So when I think of this, what does God want? God wants our lives to live in simple humility willing and capable of serving other people, which is the model of Jesus, right? Yep. Imagine how much better the world would be if we were a people who chose to say, today I wanna to live humbly, and today I wanna serve other people. It doesn't get much better. So that'd be the first question we'd throw your way today to really think about. Is there something that God's been asking you to do? Is there something from scripture that pops off the page? There's something that maybe God's been nudging, maybe today's the yeah. day to say, I wanna do what God wants me to do. Absolutely. And you know, the second question is, who can I serve? Mm. I mean, what a great question. So if we know that Jesus and the model of trying to be more like him is I need to be a servant, then who can I serve? Mm. Well, the text says in verse one, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Who can I serve? And the answer is everybody you run across. And that's so good. I mean, most of the time we think about what's in it for me. That's right. The world revolves around me. Yeah. You know, what, what am I going to get out of it? And that's Paul's right. example was, look, if you want to make my joy complete, man, serve somebody. Look, yeah. Don't look out for your own interests, but the interests of other people. Yeah. And this week literally is an example of that. When we're doing high school camp, there's no way, there's absolutely no way that we could do high school camp without the 40 or 50 adult leaders that yeah. sign up, raise their hand to say, yeah. we will do whatever it takes to see students come to know Christ. I mean, these folks are driving vans down from Atlanta. I mean, they're serving for the whole week and, and they're up in all kind of weird hours serving students, but that's just one of the many ways that you can serve people. I've learned that there's three unique ways to recognize how are you doing on the servant scale? The first one is, how did you act the last time somebody treated you like a servant? Mm. The yeah. second one is, has anybody crossed your path that felt like an inconvenience and you thought, Ugh, I don't have time for them? Mm -hmm. And the third one is this, have you thought that maybe your station in life is above doing that task? Mm. You know, when you look at those and you measure how your life is doing in those three, we begin to recognize that Jesus had this model. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. 
Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. One of the simple ways we can serve other people is listen to them. Yeah. We live in a world where all we do is talk. And there are times when the best thing we can do is have a ministry of presence with people and listen to people. Mm, that's powerful. And honestly, that speaks to a lot of what's going on in the church in Philippi, that there yeah. had been some disunity going on, there's some grumbling going on. Yeah. And Paul's like, we need to fight for unity. We right. need to be, we're in this together for the gospel. And one of the best ways to find unity is to serve together, serve Absolutely. side by side. Jesus, there's this, I don't know if you've seen the old poem, it's called One Solitary Life. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like I get it almost every Christmas in the Christmas Same. card. It's like, Jesus never traveled more than 300 miles. Jesus yeah. never held a public office. Jesus never owned a house. Jesus right. never built a, and it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. But you think about that, Jesus didn't do any of those things. All those things we get sucked into, Jesus never did. Yeah. But what he did do is he spent his life serving. He said, I did not come to be served. If anybody deserved to be served, it was yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But he said, I've come to serve. So question one is, what does God want? Question two is, who can I serve, right? Who is right in front of us that we could serve? And then question number three is, am I prepared right. for eternity? Yeah, and this is the big one. The reminder is that yes, this life is important, but this isn't all there is. Right. I mean, if you were to think about eternity, to think about, man, if you could just see this beach as far as you could go, it feels like eternity, but this life on earth is about this much of it right. when eternity never ends. And so in Philippians two, as he writes, he says in verse nine, fast forwarding, he says, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and he gave him the name that's above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's got the sense as he's writing to people about unity and he's writing about a joyful life, he's looking at this future scene that one day every knee in heaven's gonna bow, on earth is gonna bow, under the earth is gonna bow. And when I think about it, I think about, man, the people that are heaven bowing, they're already there. That's right. The people under the earth, it's too late. That's right. But right now, while we're still on this earth, while we still have time, this is a great question to ask, am I prepared for that moment? Am I ready to willingly, joyfully to say, Jesus, you're the one to the glory of God the Father? Yeah. You know, one of the things I've learned in all the funerals I've done over the years, that whether it's somebody that's been ill for a long time or whether it was a sudden death, nobody's ready. Mm. Every, everybody's shocked and everybody's grieved. Yeah. And yet you can be ready. Your soul can be ready. And I, I think the question is, do we see Jesus for who he is? Mm. Not who he was, but who he is. Yeah. As the risen Lord, as the savior of the world, our savior. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we answer the questions that we were posing here, like, what does God want? Well, he wants us to follow and serve and obey him. Well, who do we serve? We serve in his model. Mm -hmm. Then how do, we, how do we die? We die, but for a millisecond, which is between here and heaven. And to be absent from this body as a believer is to be in heaven. Yeah. And so I, I think it's worth us asking the question, are, are you and Jesus good? Mm -hmm. Like It's not just, are you serving? And it's not just, what does God want from you? But has there come a time in your life where you said, Jesus, I want to make you my savior. I want to make you my Lord. Yeah. Has there come a time in your life where you said, I, I want to invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sin. Mm -hmm. I want to ask Christ to, to, to just save me. You know, people ask me all the time, like, save me from what? 
save me from being apart so I'm not one of those people below so that I can be in unity with God and I can genuinely have this relationship with Christ and enjoy the beauty of heaven now, but for all eternity. And so the question, like when you ask that, Bobby, about are you ready for eternity? And the question is, we can do that. I mean, Jesus made it possible that through his death, burial, and resurrection, you and I can be ready for eternity and be as sure for heaven as if we were already there. You know, I read a story back in the 70s where uh, the Pope was visiting Chicago and the archdiocese there in Chicago um, had, had broken one of the cardinal rules, which was you're always supposed to have a throne room where the Pope can sit on this throne, right? It doesn't happen at Sugar Hill Church. <laughs> I promise you it doesn't. And, but the weird thing is, so the Pope shows up. And so the archdiocese is, where in the world's our, our throne, right? And you come to find out that they had to make room for other things in their life. And they literally had shuffled the throne into a storage room and nobody knew where it was. So sometimes I think we, we take the throne of Christ and rather than sitting on our heart, yeah. we shuffle it off into our storage facility yeah. with all of our other stuff. That's and we, yeah, we just literally forget that, wait a minute, what Jesus wants is obedience. Mm-hmm. And the first step of that is Jesus, I need you. Come live in my life, forgive me my sin, be my Lord, be my savior. And I wanna thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me so that I could have heaven. And today we encourage you, make that your prayer. That not only do you want to serve others, not only do you want to be obedient, but you want to be obedient to the first issue, which is Jesus, I want to make you my Lord. So on behalf of all of us at Sugar Hill Church, I want to say to to you, uh, you are not just welcome in our church, but in the kingdom of God, as you say, Jesus, come be my savior. And we'd love to hear from you. Please just drop us a note at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. And we'd love to send you some information about how to grow in Christ and how to just do exactly what this scripture says, which is what does God want from me and how do I serve others? And am I sure that I'm ready for eternity? Yeah, and I, 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 that's so great. And then for those that know Christ already, this is a great question to still ask yeah. because as Paul's writing, he's writing primarily to believers and he's talking about having a joyful life. And so sometimes we know people that say, well, of course I know Jesus, but right. man, they are just, they're there's not no in a good- fruit, that there's joy there. <laughs> they, uh, they're grumpy, they're, you know, all the things. And, I'm sorry, Bobby. And so I would, I would just encourage you. Uh, the thing that we say a lot is that if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. That's right. And so one of the reasons why we're still on this earth is God is making us more like his son, Jesus. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, if you know Christ personally, maybe the reason why we're still here is because God's not finished right. growing us up. And so let's all be prepared for eternity. Amen. So thanks so much for joining us today on the beach here at Polly's Island. And we trust you have a great 4th of July. We still live in the greatest country on the earth. And there's so much to be grateful for in the midst of a country that feels like it's falling apart. You know, God still holds it in the palm of his hand. And I encourage you celebrate with your family, love on your family and serve others so that we can be obedient to Christ and we can be sure of exactly what he wants to do. I just wanna leave you with this thought. Let the Lord go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Because my friend, he is always good and you are always loved. And when things do get difficult, let this same Lord Jesus come behind you and pick you up and carry you, not around the challenges, but through the middle of them, only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap you up in his loving arms, drawing you up close so you can hear your Savior say, my child,
I love you. God bless you, friends. Thanks for joining Pastor Bobby and myself here on the beach for July 4. Go in peace.